We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. The Timeline is a Blue Wire podcast. So it's a chance at the last shot here. They lead it by four. Here goes Booker. Bullet pass. Bridges for three. Cash. Mikhail Bridges. Gooseneck. B.A. Phoenix has come to play. No joke right now. Welcome to the timeline of Phoenix Suns podcast. We are recording immediately after the Suns became the team with the second best record in the NBA. My name is Mike Sam. Can you believe it? That just sounds surreal. It really does. The second best record in the NBA. Keep in mind, we're recording right after the game. We don't have all the updated stats yet. Yeah. But, like, the last time the Suns were the second best record in the NBA had to have been 07, 05? Yeah. Yeah, Nash's because MVP I think the, two, year. the 2010 year, I think they finished with the third best record. And that was, like, they fought for that, I think, at the end of the season from what I remember. This late in the season, it's been a really long time since they had this good of a record. This was such a wild game in, in just so many ways. Yeah. The way that it's like three different games, it really, it really was like the way. I don't know if you paid attention to what they were saying uh, on TNT at halftime, but like the way Dwayne Wade was talking about it at halftime, he was like, "Yeah, this is you know a, a beaten up Lakers team. The Suns just need to take care of business yeah. here." The way they talked about it before, and we can talk about the ejection and, and whatnot. But, yeah, but the way they talked about it, the stakes that were there before the ejection versus after the ejection. Say what you will about about the refereeing and, and Devin Booker making the decision to do what he did and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. After he was out of the game, it became a playoff atmosphere. Right. Uh, the the highest stakes environment I've seen for the Suns 
all season long. Yeah. And every single guy down to like Abdel Nader, who who only plays in some games, every single guy stepped up to the challenge. It was crazy. To an extent, I, I was looking forward when looking at the schedule early in the season. I I singled out this game and I was looking forward to it specifically to see them against a healthy Lakers team. Now with Marcus Sol out, obviously Anthony Davis is out for a while. Kyle Kuzma, who's been playing well this season, was out a late scratch in this game. If the Suns were to make a statement win in this game, winning with a fully healthy team against the Lakers who are banged up would not have been it. But after Book was ejected, this became a little bit more of a statement win. Now, if you're a writer, for example, trying to write about this game, and if the Suns won by 15 points with Devin Booker fully uh, in the game the entire time and just killing him the way he was, by the way, before he's ejected, he was absolutely murdering them. He After was. falling on his elbow, too, he went on a run of just perfectly made baskets. But that's not much of a story. That's just That story is essentially the Phoenix Suns, who've been playing really well, beat a beat-up Lakers team. But Devin Booker being ejected for one of the most soft ejections I've ever seen. Ever, yeah. And then yeah. the Suns winning without him. That's a story. That's a team overcoming a little bit of adversity without their best player. Chris Paul, to that point, had not even hit a bucket. Like, literally had only shot once and missed. To to actually come out and win that game after that ejection, that's a bit more of a statement. Now, it's it doesn't mean too, too much, obviously, because the Lakers are still missing players, but it's a little more of an even fight with the Lakers missing their second best player and the, and the Suns mis- missing on some nights, their second best player on some nights, their best player. It's a very similar situation at that point. But they really, they came out and they really did the thing. And they had some unlikely heroes in this one, like Abdel Nader. He was Dar- Dario Saric, obviously, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't even know who to talk about first. Seriously, because you mentioned Chris Paul. Like, Chris Paul was good. He orchestrated the offense after, after Booker was out, obviously. But he finished the game one for four from the field. He made one shot mm-hmm. the entire game and then a bunch of free throws. Uh, it, Mikhail Bridges, 6 for 10 from the field, 19 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists. Dario Saric, I, I think Dario Saric is the, the MVP hero. of the game. Absolutely. If you, can, if you can go out there, and granted Anthony Davis was not in the game, maybe small ball worked better tonight than it would against you know other matchups. It, it, it wouldn't work the way it did tonight against Anthony Davis. But that being said, those small ball lineups have had fantastic net ratings with Dario Sarge all season long. And so I think we were just having this conversation two days ago. Dario Sarge is not being used like a sixth man for the Phoenix Suns. He's been playing like 15, 16 minutes per game since coming back from his injury. Well, tonight he played 26 minutes. He had 21 points, five rebounds, three assists, a steal. Just terrific offense, you know, initiating from the top of the key constantly, uh, initiating sets as if he was a point guard in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. at some points. So 15, 16 minutes per game for that guy doesn't feel right to me. And, and you know, that's not a knock against DeAndre Ayton necessarily or even anyone else on the team. But the way he played tonight, I think there has to be a way to find him more of an increased role in the future. Because I think you demonstrated, again, in what was very clearly a playoff-esque atmosphere tonight, that the way he plays basketball works. It, it just works. Yes, and, and small ball just works in the NBA in general. And I think to an extent we saw what could possibly happen in the playoffs if the Suns are getting beat on specific kinds of switches with DeAndre Ayton in the game where you have the option to go small and start to force different things 
against like here's here's the truth right now against switches Dario Saric is better than DeAndre Ayton because he has more moves dribbling the ball in his hands he can drive uh, he's got a little more back to the basket post-up games currently DeAndre Ayton more likely to shoot fadeaways which can work against smaller defenders but on nights that those shots are not dropping you need a little bit more and in this specific game when Devin Booker's out what you need the most is playmaking. And if you don't have, because, you know, Chris Paul played a pretty extended stretch in that second half. When Chris mm-hmm. Paul came out, Cameron Payne, by by the way, finally played some minutes, looked pretty good. Not like Cameron Payne at the beginning of the season still. No. But, you know, not terrible as well. I think he still did. He looked more like Javon Carter at this he point. Got, he got you a know. lot of cardio tonight. He didn't really <laughs> yeah. have, he played 10 minutes. He didn't really have a stat line. <laughs> necessarily yeah, exactly. I was just happy to see him get some run but but yeah they yeah. needed playmaking from someone else with yeah, and, Booker on the floor and uh, and that the, comes yeah. down to at this at that point you look at the roster that really comes down to Sharch like everything 100%. is on him at that point and being that fulcrum that's able to catch the ball in that mid post and has so many options from there he can he even stepped back he can get behind the three-point line shoot it if he has to he can uh, he can dribble to the basket. He has post up moves. He can pass. There's so many options with him catching the ball in that area of the game, and it worked really well tonight. But also, I think it's just an element of. I thought it was a good coaching move by Monty just to keep him in because you need to do everything you can uh, to win that game, especially you know the, to to do it after Sarich had one of the more rough stretches of the season for him in that first half on defense and a couple bad turnover miscues on offense as well Mm -hmm. to have the faith in him at that point of the game understanding that Devin Booker is out of the game to have the faith in him to keep him in the game for that long of a he basically didn't come out after Devin Booker was ejected it was charged the rest of the game it was just it was a good coaching job by Monty and I wonder if you think is this just him reading the reading the scenario reading the game the way it is and giving Sarge that extended time because the playmaking is necessary and he started to heat up a little bit offensively in general. Or is this something that we look at as a potential preview of what could happen in the playoffs when the Suns need to downsize a little bit and go smaller? Yeah, I don't, just looking at Monty's philosophy, I feel like it's never been about downsizing with him. I think that's something that like, analytic type people you know the the nba twitter nerds and whatnot who really like small ball try to put on him but like even in tonight in the first half we saw dario sarge he played a little bit of power forward for for a few minutes it wasn't a long stretch um i don't think monty is is necessarily a, a huge proponent outright of dario sarge at center or, or at least it's not because he's small that's not why he likes small ball he likes it because of the playmaking. It's exactly what you were just talking about a minute ago, his ability to initiate those sets from, from the top of the key in the elbow area, and especially him taking on an increased role tonight with uh, with Frank Kaminsky not playing either. He was the only big, really, who could do that. So after Booker was out, for Monty, .5 has always been the system. It's always been the number one thing. He knew he had to prioritize that number one thing. Uh, and credit to him, because I didn't know he was going to keep in Sarch the entire time either. Uh, I was I was getting a little bit nervous halfway through the fourth quarter. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just kind of, dr- and, and it's not, again, it's not even because Aiton was bad. No. But it was just dreading the offense becoming stagnant yeah. once he comes in. And Chris Paul is like the only guy in the court who can really exactly. dribble. So, you know, I, I was dreading those minutes of, of Aiton coming back in, and then they never even happened. And, and they didn't need to because Sarch yeah. was so good. Yeah, and you know, I don't think Aiton's the type of guy to take that personally as well. 
Uh, I think that he will just understand the situation and the way it played out. The offense, this is weird to say, was fully revolving around Dario Saric in that fourth quarter. Heliocentrism. That's what I talked about a a month ago before he even got injured in the first place on our video on our YouTube channel. Sorry to plug it for the millionth time, but heliocentrism, the same way that Jokic plays, albeit in a Mm -hmm. much lesser role, the same Mm -hmm. way that Sabonis plays. There's a lot of bigs who play like this now, and Saric is totally up to that task. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, you get a lot of touches when you're capable of making plays for other people. That's the main thing. But it's just kind of fascinating to see it go down. And what really helped the Suns in this scenario, you know, it would have gone very differently had they had their size. You know, Mark Gasol, Anthony Davis, the, the Lakers are able to play like a jumbo-sized team. And Saric would have gotten probably more run with Aiton if that were uh, the team that we were playing today. But it wasn't. It was more time with different guys. I mean, they basically played Harrell off the floor in that game. And it was different guys playing center towards the end of that game. Markeith Morris had some time at center with LeBron in. Arguably, LeBron on defense is playing center in that scenario. Uh, Jared Dudley got time at center in this game. And at that point, you just got to give the ball to Sarge and let him figure out what he can do against them. Well, but the funny thing is, when Jared Dudley played center in the second quarter, that was the stretch where Dario struggled. Right. Like, he tried to attack him three possessions in a row. Which is kind of fascinating, yeah. It wasn't working. Crafty <laughs> against reason. crafty, right? I think that Saric probably underrated uh, Dudley's brain a little bit in that scenario. Because I noticed the first time that Saric got it in the post against Dudley in the second half, it was like sort of a double up and under at that point. There was an extra little fake brought in there to, to go against Jared Dudley. Uh, because I think he understood at that point that Dudley... You know, not the most athletic, uh, not the strongest. I mean, pretty strong for his size. But what Dudley has still is his brain. He's still a really smart player, a smart defender. And uh, Saric was a lot more prepared for that in the second half, and he did a good job. Uh, another guy we should talk about, Abdel Nader. We, we just have to say it. I, I don't know that there's a lot of analysis to talk about with Abdel Nader. He just had a good game. He's got the length. Uh, he can attack still reckless. I think he had two offensive fouls, but multiple mm-hmm. blocks. And um, Three, he's not afraid to shoot. Actually. Yeah, I mean, he's got a really long wingspan. He's a Kelly Oubre type. Is was a really smart move. I don't know if that was like specifically what he was billed as when the Suns went out and got him. But for a guy who's so cheap, was basically as good of a Kelly Oubre replacement as you could ask for, just to play some spot minutes here and there. Mostly, I think what stood out about Nader tonight was how much of a workhorse he was. He played a stretch in the second half, too, where he was just containing dribble penetration on the perimeter for like 10 minutes straight fighting over screens switching on screens his defensive activity was was really really impressive yeah i thought he was really good i mean he he had one of the more important stretches of the game interestingly too nader had a few possessions against lebron maybe one one or two of them obviously lebron is going to win the majority of those but if you have a guy that you can trust in a few scenarios of the game where you get switched on to a guy like that it doesn't hurt. Like we talked about Langston Galloway, he couldn't do that. <laughs> you know, he just no. get bowled over immediately, and LeBron gets a dunk in the lane. And, he even um, came, you know, three blocks, like you said. Nader came. And, I mean, and I'm even sorry, like Etwan Moore played five minutes tonight. Right. And, and right. there's a reason. There's a reason for that. There's a reason that Etwan right. Moore played five minutes and Nader played twenty three. It's because you couldn't give Switching. LeBron. And and even so, LeBron had thirty eight points on twenty four shots. So yeah, a little bit. It is like, well, what are we talking about here? But, well, yeah, you can't <laughs> stop him entirely, right? You you really sure. can't. I mean, there's, there's at some point, LeBron is going to get his points, and uh, you know, but the the real 
purpose of basketball, obviously, just outscore them. <laughs> That's the main goal. Uh, it'll be fascinating. I'm not sure when Anthony Davis is going to be healthy and how healthy he's going to be when he comes back. Achilles injuries are scary. Um, they're calling it Achilles tendinosis, but playing that team again, I think they have two, at least two more games. I haven't fully delved into the schedule as much as I probably should at this point. Um, but multiple more games against the Lakers to play against them with a fully healthy team will be a lot more interesting. Right now, the Suns are ahead of them in the uh, standings, yeah. and and they could actually they have time to to make some moves and get you know a, maybe a few games ahead of them before they're fully back and fully healthy, and that would be um, some nice cushion for the Suns because you you never know what could happen later in the season. You got to get as much cushion as possible. Hey everyone, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast, just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only 50 We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. $15 a month, the same rate any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box in this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com join. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything. Which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcast. Well, I kind of just want to direct the conversation towards narratives at this point, if you're cool with it, because it's like, 
I think there's going to be, when people wake up tomorrow, when they see this podcast in their feeds, there's going to be a lot of talk about the Suns. If there isn't already, I'm not on Twitter right now, obviously, so I can't right. tell. They have the second best record in the NBA. And I know we started off the episode by saying that, but like, it's crazy just to repeat that. What's right. also crazy is if they played a first round series today, and, and this sucks, it just sucks. Who's in the seventh seed right now? The Denver Nuggets. Ah. That's like. But the, to keep in mind that the seventh, eighth, ninth, and tenth are going to play a little tournament. That is true. That's seeds. a good point. There, there is that playing now. Um, it, there's still not a lot of wiggle room with those six, seven, eight seeds. You know, the, the Suns play the Warriors next. The Warriors are 19 and 16. Still, obviously, an opponent that you have to take very seriously. But the ceiling with Chris Ball has been unlocked. The Suns are the second best team in the NBA. And, and we've talked about them already on this podcast about are they contenders? And we've already said, yes, they are. Um, but still, all along this season, it kind of felt like there was this there's this notion that they were kind of fighting for a second round and you were cool with a, a second round exit or something like that for the Suns. Well, now they have the second best record in the league. They're shooting for the championship. And it opens an entire Pandora's box of possibilities for what can come in the next month between the buyout market. They could be among the most competitive teams for anyone they want in the buyout market, if that's Drummond, if that's Blake, if that's who knows who. They could obviously shop around for trades. We've talked about that before. I feel like we haven't settled on a single candidate who either of us has been like ecstatic with. But I imagine that they that they have to be thinking about it. Like I don't I, I just don't know if when James Jones went out there in his introductory press conference for this season, right, and talked to the media about, well, the goal is always to win a championship, that's always what the GM says. But there has to be a part of me right now that, that just thinks he even he didn't believe that they would be here so soon. I don't know. I really don't know because you got to wonder. I told you from the beginning, to be honest, as soon as Chris Paul agreed to come to the Suns, I thought that there was a belief that this team had the pieces to put together a championship team, whether that be with the players that they had at that time or if they planned on making moves later on down the line. And I still believe that. Uh, you know, from the beginning, uh, third seed is what I said, and, and third seed is could, could be where they uh, kind of level out. And obviously, I'm a little more confident in this team than maybe someone who's not a Suns fan <laughs> would be. But to me, it wouldn't be surprising if, if James Jones really thought that they had a chance. Uh, look, a lot of it, a lot of it is on Booker's back in this conversation because Chris Paul's going to be Chris Paul, and they believed that he could be Chris Paul still. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been willing to trade what they traded for him and to pay what they're paying him currently. But the ceiling of this team is a lot based on how much Devin Booker can grow and learn what it takes to win, especially late in games. And I think that's a huge reason that they were so good in February because uh, Chris Paul struggled a little bit at first, but I think there was a feeling out period for both him and Devin Booker. Chris Paul clicked a little bit before Devin Booker. February is when Devin Booker clicked, It's it feels like. And that's why they were so good in February. And if they can continue to be that good going forward, that would make a big difference. You know, Devin Booker, the last game, 43 points, the most he scored this season, named the player of the month for the first time in his career, the first time the Phoenix Suns have had a player in the month uh, of the month since Amari Stoudemire in like 2008. And then he's ejected uh, in the weakest possible way on a national TV game 
by the ref that wasn't even wronged in this scenario. A very, very bizarre situation. Not that I want to harp on that too much, but it was so weird and so soft and so lame uh, that it's just tough to even watch that game going forward. It was nice. You said it at the time, and we talked about it all the time. This is why you have Chris Paul, so that you don't just have one star to carry a team. Now you have two, and he did it going forward. Dario Sarch, apparently the third star of this team now. But it's just so nice to see Devin Booker finally click uh, with the teammates, and that ceiling can be pretty high if he continues to play as well he's been, as he's been playing. Yeah, I mean, again, he's he's a game changer, <laughs> right? It's you know, I hate to keep bringing it up and, and giving that guy. I mean, it's a good word so for speak, it, but, uh, you know. But, ironically, yeah, I mean, I think we should just keep using it until people no longer associate it with that conversation. But just he he is a game changer. That's that's yeah. truthfully what he does. And uh, much to the ire of Mavericks fans today, when it was announced that Devin Booker was Player of the Month, but I thought that was that was a very funny role reversal on our part, because yeah. we were telling them that the Suns went 12-3, and three. there was no way that they were going to reward the guy who lost more games, it's just not the way it works. And to your point, with the Suns not having a Player of the Month uh, until uh, 10 years ago with Amari, well, there's a reason for that, it's because they haven't been good, even when the Suns have had good players for sustained play for an entire month they haven't had it on a good team. That's Devin Booker included. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's, he's just been phenomenal. Um, I, just to speak about his performance tonight a little bit, again, mm-hmm. sucks mm-hmm. that he got ejected. Um, his passing manipulation, though, the entire first half, I mean, the Suns led the game at the end of the first half. I think they led by seven or eight points. And that it was entirely Devin Booker. Like, Chris Paul had five assists but took yeah. one shot yeah. at that point in the game. And Booker's passing manipulation, his his uh, vision on, I think, the very last play of the half where he dished it out, a, a bullet pass to Mikhail Bridges in the corner, mm-hmm. kind of just shows what we take for granted from him out of this point, the type of playmaking that wasn't possible out of a guy who, who as, our, as I can say now, friend of the podcast, uh, Kevin O'Connor, when he came on our podcast and said, this is a guy who ran six pick and rolls at Kentucky, that's the sort of stuff that scouts had no idea he would one day be capable of doing. Yeah. And now he's capable of doing it, and, and it breaks defenses and completely changes the landscape. And yeah, I thought his first half was phenomenal. I wish he played the whole game, but but again, it, it created more adversity. And I guess ultimately, you could say in a weird way, it was kind of a good thing for the Suns tonight. Well, I mean, even bef- before that, the way that the Lakers had to defend him with how well he's been playing lately is a trap on every single pick and roll every single pick and roll they sent two guys on him and the Lakers kind of do this soft trap thing where they're not trying to force you all the way back to the half court line and and Devin Booker to his credit and and to how much he's learned uh, about the game and about his teammates just sort of calmly takes one dribble backwards he's able to attack the double team if if there's a soft space between the defenders and he's able to get around them or just immediately make a cross-court pass to a wide-open shooter. And in this game, early in the game, you had Jay Crowder hitting shots. You had Cameron Johnson. It feels like the first time that Cameron Johnson was hitting three-pointers in the first quarter in a long time. And uh, to be able to manipulate the traps like that was vital and very important. And I also want to give credit to Chris Paul in this scenario as well. Chris Paul learned a lot about playing off the ball when he played with James Harden. And I think some of that is now being applied to how the Suns are playing because uh, Devin Booker is getting trapped so often now with how it's so, how easy it is for him to beat a single defender in that mid-range or at the rim uh, 
that Chris Paul is finding right the right ways to space the floor, the right times to shoot the ball, and the right places to be so that they could maximize the spacing on the floor. And I want to give credit to Monty Williams and Chris Paul for that because it's really important. It, the irony of saying he's not a game changer after you see the, the defending champions have to trap him on every single pick and roll uh, is kind of hilarious. But yeah, it, it's fascinating to watch him manipulate those double teams now. Just with regard to what you were saying about the poise that he kind of exudes on the court now, uh, if you look at his stats for February, he won player of the month because he scored a lot of points and his efficiency was insane. He didn't win because of his playmaking, but I just want to point it out. Four and a half assists per game, only 2.7 turnovers, which if you remember how we were talking about Devin Booker at the beginning of the season is massive, massive improvement. He was averaging four plus turnovers, even like four and a half turnovers per game for the first month of the season. For him in a lower usage role now, so he's going to have fewer games of 7, 8, 9, 10 assists like he used to on, on those bad Suns teams, but for him still in a high usage offensive role to be averaging just 2.7 turnovers per game, it's actually, it's it's really good for a guy who gets trapped as frequently as he does uh, in the yeah. pick and roll. Yeah, and it's especially important to continue giving him the ball in those scenarios because drawing a double team just essentially means that someone's open. Every single time there's two guys guarding one guy, somebody's open and and I think they found the right balance of giving him the ball when he's on the floor and you know maybe it's a hockey assist and maybe it's not an assist in those scenarios or maybe it's uh, Chris Paul running a side pick and roll against the third worst defender on the court instead of the two best defenders because they're focused on Devin Booker and that can turn into a good play as well uh, but it's just it just shows how important it is to give him the right amount of touches in the game because uh, defenses just scramble when he has the ball. Uh, a really, really fascinating game, and I'm excited to see the Suns continue to play against these sort of playoff caliber teams like the Lakers. Obviously not the best scenario to really measure how good they can be. The Warriors the Warriors will be an interesting one. The Warriors are the type of team that can go on a run at any time and win 10 games in a row. Uh, that's the next game coming up. Do you have any other thoughts on this uh, specific game that stuck out to you? I mean, I feel like we, we talked about him. We didn't really talk about him. We mentioned him. Mikhail Bridges? Yes. Just, yes, I'm so glad you said that. Like, he's going to get paid, <laughs> right? And we saw it. Why? Tonight, when I was talking two days ago was our last podcast, I was saying, I think he's going to get paid because he's going to demonstrate his value in a playoff setting. Like, that was tonight. Look at what he did. He had 19 yeah. points on 10 shots. He had six rebounds, five assists. The winning plays that he makes where he goes and dives after an, an offensive rebound, doesn't literally dive, but goes after an offensive rebound, saves the ball from falling out of bounds and quickly like does a touch pass to Jay Crowder. The three offensive rebounds he had when no one else on the Suns tonight was grabbing offensive rebounds. Like winning plays everywhere. It's just he's made of them. And... I, I, like, I know it's corny because we've said it for, for uh, two years now about Mikhail Bridges, but he is the glue. He is the thing that keeps this system together. He just wins. He just wins. He in plays those high pressure basketball. situations. Yeah. I, I mean, he, he's the type of guy that fully understands the scenarios that you're in in every single game, and it seems like he does the right thing to lead the, the game towards the winning scenario. Like, it's just the guy who understands how to do it in this game. 19 points on only 10 shots. He also had five, a, a quiet five assists in this game and then sort of spent the entire game. I think he started off guarding Schroeder, which was kind of interesting with Jay Crowder on LeBron, and then Jay Crowder and McHale sort of switched off guarding LeBron, and LeBron did his best to force 
as many switches as possible. Jake Crowder deserves some credit in this game as well because, uh, you know, even though LeBron got his points as much as he did, I think Jay did the best on him <laughs> for the minutes that he had um, as far as trying to force him into the most difficult shots and the most difficult plays he possibly could. Obviously, the most experience guarding him, he guarded him in the NBA Finals last season, uh, so he's got lots of experience there. I think some Lakers fans still kind of hate Jay Crowder for the physicality that he brought to the NBA Finals, knocked LeBron around a little bit in those NBA Finals, but a fascinating game. Uh, it will be interesting to see as the season gets to the second half of the season. Obviously, we'll be recording again this weekend between the uh, break of the season and after the All-Star game. But it'll be fascinating to see who carves out some minutes in, in these rotations going forward. No Frank Kaminsky again tonight. And at some point, we've talked about it, at some point you got to figure that that's probably going to continue against the best teams, maybe against the not-playoff teams. You can continue to get away with a little more of that. But... As far as defense goes, it's important uh, to get Jay Crowder as much minutes as possible. Uh, the All-Star game coming up this weekend, too. This will be the last time we record before that. It was announced that Devin Booker will be in the three-point competition again. Uh, his three-point percentage has gone up. He's he's doing pretty well from the three-point <laughs> line now after, totally. after struggling a little bit at the beginning of the season. I say he's earned that. Chris Paul's going to be in the skills challenge. Uh, which could be good. That seems like something that he could easily win. I don't think he's. Uh, I don't think he deserves that. <laughs> I want to see. I want to see DeAndre Ayton in the skills challenge. I want. Yeah. I want them to bring back. Do they still do the thing? They put bigs in there, right? I yeah. didn't even look at the the field of candidates, but I assume it's like Jokic and. It'll be the like most that. we've ever seen DeAndre Ayton dribble if he did that. I think I would. I would love to see DeAndre Ayton in the skills competition <laughs> against Chris Paul. Put them both in. Let's see them do that thing where they play or they go against each other. They should do. They should person. honestly do like a relay, like my gripe with that teammates thing, that's fun my gripe with that thing is that it's it's not hard enough for guys at, for point guards especially at the nba level like they need to make the obstacle course harder and then after that do a relay where it's point guards and they're big men but only let it be big men who are like <laughs> deandre and steven adams you know <laughs> <laughs> the you know the type of big man that I'm talking about that would make it I would I would are you trying to say unskilled Sam <laughs> no guys who are physically uh, impressive they set really strong screens but I'll put it this way uh, setting strong strong screens doesn't really do anything for you in the skills competition where or the skills challenge where you got to dribble and hit threes right isn't the last thing you do in the skills challenge yeah. you have to hit a fucking three yeah you do at the top <laughs> of the key love, too I would love to see that um, yeah but but. That should be exciting. I'll, I'll check that out. Do you remember... Maybe you're too young. <laughs> Do what? you remember in the All-Star... Uh, on All-Star Saturday, as they used to call it. They're not doing that this year, but... Uh, they used to have, like, this competition. It was like a shooting stars challenge or shooting skills challenge or something. Yes. Where they would They would have a WNBA player from the city. They would have a current, like, All-Star level shooter. Not necessarily an All-Star, but a shooter on a team. Mm-hmm. And then, like, a legend, like an old guy... Would that, go and that, shoot. I feel like they would that shoot. was a pretty recent thing. Like they didn't give up on that that long ago. Wasn't there that one year where they had to Steph Curry like had to make a half court shot for charity or something, and he just oh, okay, that missing? was embarrassing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I just yeah. think about if they if they had to do that now for the Suns, like who would be that legend that would come out? Like my, you just bring Mike James back <laughs> to shoot half court shots or three pointers and try to figure it out from there. That would be fascinating. Bring Barkley out there. 
Oh yeah, I'd like to see him take a half corn shot. <laughs> or Nash. Nash would be willing to go to the weekend now that he's. I'm not uh, sure if he could do that as a coach of another NBA team now. Okay. <laughs> All right. We're off the rails now, so we can end this one. Thank you, everyone, for listening. A fascinating Lakers game. Uh, We'll be back after the All-Star game recording another podcast. Get you ready for the second half of the season. Cool. Well, CP CP is a guy who who leads vocally. Um, Man, uh, he's always on us, showing us the little things on how to win, uh, the small details that count. Um, especially today's game, um, you know, losing the book, uh, you know, he, he, he sat us down in the huddle and made us made sure we only have to do winning plays and, you know, there's no mistakes. And, you know, when it's when the game's junky like this, you know, just to keep our head and, you know, us as young players, we just want to listen and, you know, it's contagious the way I approach the game. So, you know, it's a blessing. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran. Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.